You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. How's everyone doing out there? You guys doing okay? Hope you guys are enjoying the cooler weather of September. And, you know, we've got some great topics for you tonight. We are going to be looking at the Doom Patrol. We're going to talk a little bit about the comics, but mostly about the now TV show that is coming up on its third season already, starting at the end of this month. It's pretty amazing that we got to actually see these characters brought to life. And I never thought that was going to happen. So it's pretty amazing. So we got a great crew lined up for this one. And who else but my weird partner, you know, since the Doom Patrol is the weirdest team out there, why not have the weirdest podcast out there? Let's say hi to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, buddy? Uh, peachy keen, peachy keen. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, Doom Patrol is a, is a series and a concept that... Uh, I've uh, warmed up to over the years, in particular because of the series. So I am looking forward to discussing all about it. Oh, me too. I've been following the Doom Patrol since I was a little kid. So it should be, you know, very interesting to, you know, see and talk about and just explore. Should be a lot of fun. And we also have someone in the geek seat this week. We also have a creative outlet. It's a full show for you folks. We have it all for you. But we definitely would love to hear from you too. Feedback at Earth Station One. If you have a chance, please drop us a line. We definitely would love you to say hey to us or, you know, tell your friends and neighbors about us and, you know, just say, hey, Earth Station One, what a bunch of great guys. Or if not, just say you have brain damage and you love Earth Station One. That's just as good, you know. Either way, it works by, you know, just telling people about us. It's it's a great thing. So definitely check us out. We definitely would love to, you know, hear from you guys. And, you know, if you get a chance, you know, like I said, leave five stars wherever you can and wherever you listen to podcasts, especially Apple, because Apple's still the big boy on the block. And, you know, if you have a chance, leave us feedback, leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Of course, we want to give a shout out, of course, to our patrons. Hello, Patreon folks. It's really good to see you. You look good today. Really good. And of course, we want to just thank you as always. Hopefully, some of you have gotten your ESO window stickers. They were mailed out last week. So hopefully, you have you know received them by now. At the $5 level plus, you get rewards. At the dollar level, we get our appreciation, and we still love you guys. So, and like we keep on saying, for as low as a dollar a month, you can help support the ESO Network Patreon, which Earth Station One is a proud member of. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Also, folks, got a big shout-out, of course, to our friends at Tofosi Optics. Tofosi Optical is an amazing sunglass company based out of Watkinsville, Georgia, and they have an amazing array of sunglasses, gamer glasses, blue light blocking glasses. We even have safety goggles and, of course, face shields. You always need those for if you are in dangerous situations, especially with COVID on the rise again. Please, you know, check it out. Tofosi Optical has all of that. And 
you know, for all your, you know, savings and such. They just have different specials all the time. And, you know, as a little way of saying thank you, you can get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair of glasses, your whole order. That's pretty good when it starts piling up and you get a couple different pairs of glasses. 10% off, that's pretty good. All you have to do is put Earth Station 1 into the coupon code. That's tofosioptics.com, your place for sunglasses. And now we're here with new friend of the show, Josh Azali. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Mike. Or <laughs> Mike squared, you could just say. And he, Josh is a great actor, so you know he can act his way through talking to us. It'll be perfect. Josh, I welcome. only try. It's great to have you. Welcome to the station, man. Thanks for having me, too, Mike. Absolutely. Mike. <laughs> for uh, for those people who may not be familiar with you and what you do, tell us a little bit about what you're up to. So what I do is um, I'm a theater actor. I come from mm -hmm. Stella Adler. I used to have a degree in kinesiology and I was going to go do the physical therapy, you know, the nine to five sort of job. And just, uh, I love to help people. Yeah, that was something I wanted to do, but I just didn't really feel that passion behind it. I wanted to have some sort of, um, I want to like it, of course. I, and I knew people at my schooling have really, they really woke up to this and sleep on this saying, wow, I really, I love the human body. Like, I, it was a physical therapy degree. I was like, I have to get out of this, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and then, so the, I got the degree and everything, of course, and I just signed up for a theater school the, the following year. And been doing it ever since, yeah. Now, have you had an uh, inclination prior to performing at all? I mean, as a young kid or anything like that? No, I had no prior experience. Well, in my high school, I was... Um, I used to be in the marching band, so that was the closest thing I could ever to relate with performance-wise mm -hmm. in front of people. But other than that, it never really crossed my mind. And it was just a complete 180 degree of, like, my normalcy of what I would be experiencing, you know? <laughs> as as you've gone in now and, and are, are getting pretty, pretty, you know, serious about it, are there things you're finding that are surprising to you that are maybe misconceptions of... Uh, you know, that you wouldn't, you would have known that actors do this uh, without actually getting involved with it. It's, um, I mean, as expected with a lot of things, I, well, it's very prevalent that it's a business full of rejection all the time. It's probably 70% of the time. And a lot of people can't really handle that, but I've already, you know, had my first hand of what it's like. And I know it's, uh, they just, it's only a part. It's going to essentially a bunch of job interviews on the daily. It's not stable. And it's, you have to keep doing that until you get the job. And then you got to go again after that job is over. It's another interview on top of that all the time. And it's, it's a, it's a complete, um, it's a cycle like that. And mm -hmm. you just have to keep up, you know. What about, what about working in front of, in front of audiences because uh you know working on on stage is a lot different than you know in front of a camera right oh essentially yeah definitely you go through i like my theater will always be in my heart i love theater so much it's just mm -hmm. the idea that you have so many rehearsals behind it and you get only a couple shows after that to have it at its prime mm -hmm. and the, the stakes are just so much higher and, and rewarding at the same time that it, nothing ventured nothing gained right if you don't really just experience it it's it's like uh the idea that um 
in in a film you, in a film aspect you have so many takes and it's just they edit it later on and just sort of um a little bit it's it is still there's some difficulties behind each side of the spectrum of what it's like to be on film and theater but i always prefer theater myself you, you just see the whole action right there and you're you're really there you know <laughs> absolutely yes yes and uh and i always found in my experience with theater when we uh when we were in the rehearsal stage, I knew that we were going to have a pretty good run if we, if the last rehearsal we did was our best show. Uh, like, it was like, this is really good. I don't think it's going to get any better than this. And, and even the ones before, like that we did before live, live audiences wasn't as good as that, that last rehearsal where we really nailed everything, but it still was, was uh, very good. And that just meant that we knew what we were doing and we were comfortable with it and we could just let it go and just be what we needed to be on stage, right? Yeah, it's essentially just having that vulnerability, just really the connection between the audience and actors, something indescribable. I don't know. I, I always want to chase for that. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, you know. Uh, on stage, have you done, uh, what, uh, have you done any roles that uh, people might be familiar with? Uh, well, for for the broad audience, I could say some Shakespeare. I've done um, I've done gotcha. Puck from uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Wow, that's, that's not an easy one. part. Yeah. Yes, and I <laughs> I can't believe I got it. It's like I was like, okay, gonna do it. And then I've done um, I've done I forgot the name. That's a it. that's a show stealer part. Yes, it's essentially <laughs> just not even about the romantic couples or like, it's that that's the guy I want to look at. <laughs> Absolutely. And um that, that very specific one that's that I remember the name, but after that I just forget all the other names, but I know that the shows I've done, um Winter's Tale. I was um still with a P also, I believe. He was a servant. Um well I mean there as as with all Shakespeare's there's there's um a servant, but anyways. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then let me see some contemporary. I've done Orphans by Lyle Kessler. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool one. I was um Philip. It's all these all these people with peas that I'm remembering it, right? Just right at this moment. <laughs> I've done um oh I love my this favorite playwright I've done also is um Christopher Durang, uh Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike. Mm. I played um the older gentleman. This wonderful part that I did. Uh, not. Vanya, no wait, no, that's not the kind of because the play was based off of a check off of Uncle Vanya, mm-hmm. which is because of the naming and just um uh, it, so so many so many uh, scenes and plays I've done. It's just I I love it. Wonderful. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> and 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 yeah, you mentioned Shakespeare. I mean, that's that's something that you've got to up your game for immediately because it's a whole. Not only are you trying to get into character, but you've got a whole way of speaking that mm. is not something that that we do anymore <laughs> yeah I, mean, it, I know it's just it's just foreign as a as a, another language right exactly exactly it's just that i know the trick behind it is that you have to you have to know what the what they're saying in order to have it in your head and have it muscle memory to be right. memorized that's and i some people didn't figure that out but i did personally <laughs> yeah when and when we used to read it in high school i didn't really get it until i i mean shakespeare is something that needs to be seen not read i think um mm-hmm. uh it needs to be experienced that way because it, it you have you can understand what um people are going through because if the actors are doing their job yeah you can see what they are saying rather than just read what they're saying right 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, very cool. Do you have any aspirations? Is there a part out there that you're just like, I someday, I mean, do you have a Hamlet or something like that, that you're like, someday I want to, I want to play this part. I, I don't, I don't have a favorite. I want to be, but what I want to be is very versatile. I want to play all the parts that I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I can fit in. I don't really have a desire of being that or this. I want to, I want to be at all. I mean, a million lives, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you, do you stick with dramas? Do you go, do you switch? Do you, are you, do you musicals as well? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible singer, but I love to try. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, if I could actually get practice behind it, I, I think I'd be a good, maybe maybe brassy end of the <laughs> not a, <laughs> nothing nothing too high but i love to do it i never really it's it's something i love to try <laughs> gotcha gotcha so no west side story in your future <laughs> um yeah because i would imagine with the movie coming out there's going to be a lot of revivals of that uh that play i'm sure um i thought he was going to go out for the road crew of uh Hamilton. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someday they'll be doing those. Uh, yeah. I can imagine only at some point they'll be doing community college, you know, versions, high school versions <laughs> of Hamilton. Right. Um, uh, as far as, as far as other venues, um, you know, TV series, movies, is, do you have your eye on, on that kind of stuff as well? Or are you strictly, are you really just focused on stage? What, I'm really looking for a lot of work right now. So uh-huh. it's essentially whatever comes to me. Gotcha. That's, so I'm just been submitting here and there. Some self tape auditions here and there. Just really just saying, let's, let's get creative. You know, let's do something. Mm-hmm. I think I want to try to get into film mainly on right. that end. So the folks at Marvel should be listening to this. So, you know, MCU, <laughs> this man is definitely in need. <laughs> Do you have do you have aspirations to go behind the camera as well, write, direct, um, anything like as far as that nature? Or are you sticking with the acting role? It's more, yeah, I'm really sticking to that essentially. But I, I've never really been sort of, um, I don't know. It's so it's so hard to be to just come up with things to sort of, even though that I am an actor myself to actually build a character under all the circumstances. It's just. I I don't think I have the, the tools yet to actually write or produce. When mm-hmm. it does come, I'll, I'll, I'll be explorative about it, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. You're young enough that I'm sure, you know, um, the world is your oyster, right? <laughs> <laughs> we all felt that way in our 20s. It's okay. <laughs> know, right? <laughs> well, very cool. Well, um, now that we've uh, find out that you're passionate now about uh, acting, let's find out what else you're passionate about, Mike. I think he's he's ready to be uh, to be subjected to the geek seat. <laughs> oh, Josh, are you really ready for this? You know, the, my, what Mike was asking before was just softball questions compared to what yeah, that's coming your way now. So you know, you know, we've had people, grown men, in tears, athletes. You know, like I can't handle this. Like, just can't do it so oh my goodness try me all right (laughs) and remember when we say geek it doesn't mean geek it means what are you passionate about so it could be anything across the board so let it fly with this my friend all right josh okay what was your favorite geek out moment favorite geek out um 
I'm very, you know, secretly, I'm very into anime. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm very into anime. I just, I, do you know Lupin the Third? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes. The new, the new CGI one came out. Mm-hmm. I have yet to watch that. But to that point, I've watched all the ones from the 80s up to I'm only two more specials or I've seen all the series and I'm going to get to the CGI at some point in maybe a couple, maybe even a week or two. It's, it's <laughs> nice. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. Okay. So yeah, that's under, that's cool. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? My most disappointing geek out moment. Um, what is that really? Is there a different phrase into that? Well, <laughs> You know, what has like something that you really were looking forward to and you did it, you went, you've been hearing about this amazing restaurant in West LA and you went there and it was just crap, you know, or, or, you know, you, you had this big day planned at the beach and, and going then to Disneyland and it rained, you know. And, and especially in Southern California, come on, you know, it just doesn't do that, but it did for you. So that's your most disappointing geek out moment. So something like that. So it's my most disappointing geek out moment is when I have to wake up in the morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that's been somebody's answer at some time. It's just so. I just don't want to get up, man. Come on. Just stay in bed. My goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a very big gamer too. Um, there has been a couple of, flo- you know, the um, Assassin's Creed series. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. I am not a big fan. No. It's, a, it's there's just too much bugs. There's too much bugs in it, mm-hmm. and it's just all over the place. Uh, it's, and I pre-ordered um, the, I believe it was Odyssey. That was the one, the last one I played. Yeah. It's very uh, grindy, and. It was unexpected, of course, and never again, you know, never again will I ever pre-order a game in this lifetime. I'm just going to wait till it comes out to like 30 bucks, but, ugh. <laughs> Dude, that's understandable completely. <laughs> completely. What geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? You know, I actually been playing a Sudoku a lot nowadays. <laughs> really? Yes. So when you go on, get, when you go on auditions, you're just sitting there with the little book and everything with the Sudoku. No, I have it. I have it on my phone. On my phone. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. I, just, okay. I have Sudoku on the phone, and I've been I've been playing on. I play in expert mode. Have you guys played Sudoku? My wife does. Yes. So I know I, I watch her do it all the time. I hear her cursing at the phone all half the time. <laughs> Essentially, it's um, it's just so fun to actually deduce which numbers are which and. I could find out. And then when people try to do it, they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I'm just a genius. I know. (laughs) You should have been an accountant, my boy. You should have been an accountant. (laughs) What turns your geek off? My turn. What turns my geek off? If Sudoku turns it on, you know, <laughs> I have so many things I, mm. I like to be doing, you know, <laughs> but, but it, what would be something that'd be like, Oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. 
Like when I went when I went skydiving, my uncle took me outside and said, "Why are you jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, young man?" <laughs> <laughs> what really turns me off, I anything really, really like oh no, usually just a fan base of any sorts. It's like I can't really have the openness to like that because of how rampant that fan base is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Is this mm-hmm. like why? Because like um, I can't really be open about it because of because there's people with the this, this stigma behind it. Like, oh, is, is everyone like that guy that's so that dresses up for the show and runs around in public like that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, we know it quite well. Yeah, um, it's just that's why I'm very um, okay. Oh yeah, I, I like it. Okay. What <laughs> fictional character <laughs> would you want to meet the most? fictional character there's this character um uh is they uh, do you guys know the meta gear solid series oh yeah 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 uh, yeah i'd love to meet revolver ocelot this is one of my favorites really yeah oh that's a pretty awesome yeah what, um yeah what fictional character would you not like to meet though Honestly, the I know people really. I don't know how I was gonna like this show, but then the fan base is so weird. So I I can't really. You know the, the you know Rick. Oh, Rick, <laughs> like Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't want to meet him now because 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 of how people keep referencing him. Uh, Pickle Rick. <laughs> Pickle Rick. Yeah. Leader Rick. Yeah, there's all the different. Yeah. yeah. I, I can understand evil Rick. Oh wait, I think the regular Rick is kind of evil too. But yeah, it's like it's a very it's a very um, well thought storyline to actually be honest about it. It's like very very well done, but just the, the fan base makes it has a facade behind it. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty awesome though. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Um, usually at every end of a sentence, um, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go get some drinks. Uh, am I right? <laughs> Just... <laughs> I can understand that. Am I right? <laughs> there we go. That's awesome. What is your ideal geek occupation? Geek occupation. I think you're trying to do it, dude. <laughs> Ideal geek occupation. Being an actor, you can geek out about big time. Yeah, but I'll leave no, it. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. I'm not going to force feed you these answers. No, I have to. I have to answer it. I can do this. I can do this. Oh, I, I, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I'd be a comic book store person. Really. Yeah. Okay. That'll be fun. You, I mean, you have to know the knowledge of all the books at the store, right? And then having that just is, is so cool. Yeah. Do you read comics? No. Okay. <laughs> but you'd want to try to do it anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what geek occupation would you not like to do? Something with a 
Something with a tie. <laughs> oh, no, actually, uh, like one of those um, arcade uh, arcade people, like the, what are those called? I don't, I don't know what you call them. They, they run the arcade, essentially. It's just, I feel like they smell all the time. And then they have to clean up the food everywhere. But I guess you know the games, but I mean, you have to clean up after smelly people, you know? <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, we just alienated half our audience right there, so it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. All right, Josh, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I think I think I am. All right, all right, Josh. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Ultimate geek fantasy. His eyes went wide on that one, folks. <laughs> And he's blushing now. This is even better. It's just my pigment. It's like I'm naturally like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to know. I want to be able to watch all of One Piece sometime in this lifetime. There's just like 900 episodes. I can't do it. I don't even want to start. You know. I think there's more shows with longer episodes, but I know people talk about that one a lot. Oh, sure. No, that's if you ever have enough time, become rich and famous, you could just, you know, I'd like to watch this in my trailer on my wall, you know. <laughs> it's just such a commitment, you know, mm-hmm. I can't do that. I got other things to do. You know? Of course. No, it totally <laughs> makes sense. Well, Josh, I've got some great news for you, my friend. You've made it through the Geek Seek. Congratulations. You've passed. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. (laughs) You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $48.16. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But you have to realize it's only in uh, Bitcoin, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the odds of you getting it, not really good. Um, there's still a chance you're saying there's, there's still, still yeah, there, yeah there's one in a million there, you're you have saying a there's a chance <laughs> uh, we're saying there's a chance um dude it's been great having you on the show um where can people go to see what you're up to online find out more about what you where you're performing what you're up to what you're doing i do have my instagram it's um j.c.azali first my first two initials and my last name Mm-hmm. And I have my IMDb, and also I have a website. I think it's still being under construction, but all my contact is there, and you can see like some of my videos and reels, and um, I have a Facebook. Instagram is mainly towards my modeling stuff. I do modeling too. Okay. And um, yeah, that is awesome. There. All right. Well, we will have links to those in our show notes so so that people can uh, see what you're up to. So very good. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been fun, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike Square. Thank you. We are square. So it's it's awesome. Josh, it's been a pleasure. Let's take a quick break and we're going to be back and we are going to be talking all about the Doom Patrol.
Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're noticing that my voice sounds a little bit different this week, that's because I am currently getting over a cold. Thankfully not COVID, but still no fun. So hopefully we can get through this without coughing. In terms of movies coming out in the theater, I feel like we've got a little bit of a lull the next couple weeks in terms of new geek movies, but then it's full speed ahead for the month of October, starting with the movie Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I wasn't a huge fan of the first Venom movie, and the second one looks kind of intense and graphic for me personally, so it's probably not one that I'll see out there in the theater, but it is what it is. What I'm more excited about is hopefully finally getting to see the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. I'm a huge fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond. He's my favorite portrayal of James Bond, and as I understand that this will be his last outing as the character, so I hope it's really good and a fitting send-off for the actor who really got me into the Bond movie franchise. This is one of those movies that feels like it's been postponed a bazillion times due to COVID, so it will be nice if we finally get to see it, and hopefully it's worth the wait. We still have some good stuff coming up on streaming. Marvel's What If continues to be really interesting. It can be kind of dark and gruesome, a little more so than I was prepared for, but really interesting, really thought-provoking. The animation is great. I think that the Hawkeye miniseries looks like a lot of fun. I was not expecting a Christmas movie tie-in, so I think that'll be fun to watch with family around the holidays. Something good to do for Thanksgiving. That's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO podcast website. And look at that. I made it through without coughing. Be safe. Be well, everyone. Hello there. I can see you have great taste in podcasts. Keep your discerning streak going with the Soul Forge podcast. No topic is off-limits on the Soul Forge. We talk about life, toys, dating, geekiness, love, nerdiness, sex and dating, TV, movies, and just about anything you can think of. Check out the Soul Forge podcast. Soulforgepodcast.com and wherever you find your podcasts. We're everywhere. My name's Dr. Niles Calder. Please nod your head if you can understand me. So where is this place? My home. A safe place for you, others like you, to heal. Cliff Steele, Larry Trainer. I thought he might help you with your recovery. What's your story? I can't control this thing inside of me. I flew airplanes. Hold on, there's something up here. You promised things would change after we moved here. You said there'd be no more late night beers with the guys. I'm really scared, Cheryl. Used to do this. Crash and die, babe. I love you too, honey. Around and around. That's it. I don't know what happened to us. I don't know if you even care how sorry I am. Seeing your daughter, that's good. 
Just the inspiration you need. Rita Farr, actress from the 50s. You're in the movies? Pictures. Get rid of it. But the crew, they adore him. And put his name on the map Get rid of it. I want to speak to Jane. Jane's not here, you sissy little pink. She's in a mood. Which one of her is in a mood? Is on. Is on. I've got 64 personalities. A group of creepy scientists did terrible things to an innocent girl. Don't touch me. Oh, please touch me. Do you remember what it felt like? To be normal. I'm working with some fascinating people. Each one of them is just bursting with potential. Like you, Vic. Every person I save is me fulfilling a pledge to my mom that she'll never get to hear. Father and I already discussed it. Trying to make her proud. Knowing I'm the reason she's not around to see. This is bull! Morden. I haven't been Mr. Morden since... Ah! No! Help me! The man is the right! I'm nobody. I've been admiring those freaks of yours for quite some time. Are we really the best people to hunt a supervillain? Hell no. <laughs> You're all at my mercy. This isn't real. No matter how hard I hit, where I hit, what I hit, I can't feel pain. You're as afraid as the rest of us. You're kidding me! This is what the world looks like when we try to live in it. We don't have to get involved. Especially if we make things worse. I want to go home. We can do that. I don't even know what to hope for. I'm powerless. I have no clue how to fix this. Hey, Dad. This mission you're on is your mission. Every criminal we bust, every person we save, is us. Chief said his enemies were coming for him. Don't worry. We got this. What do you want from me? Yes, I am ready, Father. Holy. 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 I got the point. Don't you dare hurt them. They are quite doomed. Thank God that's solved. Mint juleps. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth Station One podcast. Let's take a look at the Doom Patrol from the comics to the big screen. We are ready to see the story of Chief and Cliff and all the rest of the gang. It should be very interesting to see. And I've already got questions I want to ask this group. So let's get started. Take it away, Mikey. Yeah, we're all uh, all about the Doom here. Um, and uh, we've got uh, a guest joining us who... 
uh, I think last time he was here, we was talking about an adult superhero program as well. So I guess you're, Matthew, you're our go-to guy for adult right. superhero programs. Hey, you know, I love it. I love it. I'll, I'll be here. You got adult superheroes. I'm involved. <laughs> how, how, how have you been, sir? I'm good, good. We had a great Dragon Con, a very nice. safe and eventful Dragon Con. Nice. So it was good to see people again, even though I wasn't down there for long, but it was very nice. Yes, I think they did everything that they could to make it as safe as possible, and I appreciate yes. that. And, and I like think 99%, this... sorry, and it, 99% of the people were being good. They yes. were good people. They were Absolutely. actually responsible people. Yeah. Yep. So um, we're talking about some people who are not so responsible. Uh, the Doom Patrol. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's a good byline like the, for like this entire segue? series. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, all right. Um, Doom Patrol has been around for a long, long time. I think mm-hmm. they were created. Uh, they first appeared in 1963 in the comics. So yeah, they've been around for a while. Um, Matthew, do you have any prior history with the Doom Patrol? Do you, do you had you heard of them? Do you, had you read about them? Anything before the series? Yes, I had a little bit. Like okay. um, a couple years ago, before the Doom Patrol was a TV show, mm-hmm. my friend gave me some comics. She's like, I'm, "I'm cleaning out my house. Do you want a whole bunch?" There's these. There's this comic called. I I got a collection of them, not the old ones, but like sort of like the reprints and some of the more recent releases. Mm-hmm. Would you like to read Doom Patrol? So I read a few of them. I didn't get into it immediately, but I got. I picked up what they were putting down in the series because mm-hmm. that was. So I had a little exposure before the TV series. Um, yeah, so that, so, but the bulk of my experience with Doom Patrol is in the TV series, but I absolutely adore it because I kind of understand exactly what they were getting from the source material and what they're doing mm-hmm. within the TV show. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, it's, it's cool to be fresh, you know, like, um, mm. you know, there's a lot of things, uh, I mean, I have, I was familiar with the Doom Patrol to an extent, but not like I didn't do a deep dive. Uh, mm-hmm. I was not a deep fan. Like, so so anything that the the series was going to de- you know reference as far as deep cuts i i wasn't going to get at all so um uh but uh mike what about you cuz i know that you are familiar with them in comics but where did you sort of stand as far as how early were you introduced to them oh geez, probably the 70s um back when they did a revival of showcase comics they introduced the new doom patrol and this was the doom patrol that you know has still had robot man but he was recreated by doc magnus of the metal men and he looked you know he had the antennas he had this ultra sleek you know futuristic robot body mm. and you know then they also had a female negative creature and they didn't call him, of course negative it was negative woman <laughs> And they also had how, the, how original, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then they also had uh, Tempest, and uh, there was another member I don't remember at the time who they were, but they were a temporary, you know, Doom Patrol until that that series was canceled rather quickly, and then they um, disappeared again for a while, and then uh, Beast Boy actually, who had been part of the original Doom Patrol actually became a member of the new teen titans that's that's where i really connected or first really that was my doorway in uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting about how the series happened too because mm-hmm. it's very similar because i i was familiar with the doom patrol as a concept and i even think i had like a few i know i have at least in my collection one issue from the 60s 
uh, the original run of the Doom Patrol. But I, I it wasn't a, a team that really meant a lot to me or anything like that. I was aware of them, but not, mm-hmm. but not really in a, yeah, any. Because originally, the Doom Patrol, I think, was DC's version of the X Men. They were supposed yeah, kinda. to grow. Yeah, right, kind of. I- um, yeah, there was some similarities there. You know, guy in a wheelchair with some weird heroes. You know, like that. <laughs> it definitely felt like, from what I read and what I looked, there was like the Island of Misfit Toys. Like that was really kind of where their niche was. They were like, we handle or we get put in the cracks of the DC universe. We don't handle the big things, or let's just say we handle the weirdest things. Yeah, like the Dinosaur Man, or you yeah. know, exactly, and. Then also, of course, they had the Brotherhood of Evil, and who was this guy named the Brain, who was, you know, who was literally a brain in a metal can. And then you also had, um, you also had, of course, uh, was it Mishore Malis, who was a giant gorilla, talking gorilla. Oh yeah, he was in love with the with the guy yeah, in the brain. In the, in the, in the brain, yeah. exactly. Yep. And then you also had the Baroness. And then you, who had like elastic powers, just like Rita. And then you also had, um, then you also had a couple other characters, you know, villains and stuff who were constantly revolving through, but also some that came back. And it was just, it was just really interesting. You also had Mentallo and it was, you know, so you saw him also. So it was just real interesting that, you know, you had these characters come through and then, you know, like I said, they came back with the Titans, but then they were reinvented in the early Vertigo era with uh, good old Grant Morrison doing, taking over the Doom Patrol because that series was almost, oh, those were amazing, amazing stories. It may have the Grant Morrison comics. That may be what I have if it's Mm -hmm. the more modern rendition of it. Yeah. And it's it's what you're seeing on the TV show now. Yeah. The TV show is real. I know, I know enough about the TV series and enough about that run to know that, uh, um, Flex Mentallo appears there. Danny, Um, the street does. Yeah. Yeah, That makes, that makes complete sense. Um, you know, the, the chief's daughter does the, Candleman and you know all that. Crazy it, Jane, yeah, Crazy Jane is all from the that era. Yeah. yeah, then then it's all the Grant Morrison stuff that I'm more familiar with. Then yeah, and that's the... those are amazing, amazing stories because literally he takes you know the Doom Patrol and at the time the Doom Patrol had been killed off. They mm. you know they mm. ended up saving these people who lived on an island off the coast of Maine or something, you know, and they. The Brotherhood of Evil was going to blow blow up the island, and the Doom Patrol basically sacrificed – I use air quotes – sacrificed yeah. themselves um, to save the population of a dozen people or something. And somehow they all survived. But uh, Rita was the last what? one to, was the last one to come. The not staying dead? That's, what? That's crazy. Eugene Gray? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it was interesting because – Cliff was the first one to come back, and mm. when I was in the new Doom Patrol, he was, his body was found by Doc Magnus, um, and then so, and then slowly um, Negative Man came back, and then that whole story in the in the Grant Morrison era got really weird. You know, he combined with Negative Woman and became a you know asexual being, and you know it was just really really strange. Yeah, because when I was reading New Titan, New Teen Titans, the the team was dead. 
um, and Robot Man was the only one that was uh, around. Um, and uh, so he was teaming up. I think there was rumors that, well, then that's they had to face the uh, Brotherhood too. Um, so you had the Brotherhood of Evil being a Teen Titans uh, villain, uh, which I, I originally kind of thought they were too. So there's a lot of crossover there. Um, and uh, I was recently re- rereading the uh, Wolfman Perez run of the Teen Titans. So I came across those. And uh, there's also a really good around that time as well. There's a really, really good um, crossover between the Doom Patrol and the Suicide Squad. That, that, was, much, that uh, was much later, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it was, uh, but that was before, that was way before the Grant Morrison stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's a really good, that one's a really good issue. If anybody can find that one out there or look it up on the DC app, um, the comics app, uh, give it a read because it has a lot of, you can tell that James Gunn read that one because there's a lot of like similarities between that story and the movie that just mm-hmm. recently came out with the Suicide Squad. So I would I would definitely check that out. But which is good, by the way. I watched it. It's it's good. Yeah, yeah. James Gunn. Absolutely. Su- suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good. Da so, suicide uh, Squad. So so we've got this history with the Doom Patrol, and the one thing that, uh, as you guys pointed out, especially you, Mike, uh, about the heroes. They had weird powers. They were they were a bunch of uh, strange. I think they were actually before they were called the Doom Patrol. I think they were first introduced as the Legion of the Strange. Like so, they had these uh, misfits with weird powers. Kind of like the X Men. But the one thing that really distinguished them to me from other super teams, especially in DC, was that each one of these characters had a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of personal baggage. They were angry. They were bitter. They didn't want to. They weren't just do good and like they weren't just doing things for the sake of doing the right thing um they were not that really noble um and uh and i think as a younger reader for me that was a turnoff so so that was uh and and you know um uh that was a turnoff for me and i i didn't really know what to do with that um as I got older and was reading the, went back and read some of the stories and everything, <laughs> I can, I definitely appreciate it a lot more. Um, but as a, as a younger kid, I was like, you know, when I was just, I'm like, I like the super friends where everybody gets along, and, <laughs> you know, like everybody does the right thing. And, and, and the doom patrol, I mean, they would eventually do the right thing, but a lot of times they were, it took them a little while to get there. Yeah. They were very angst ridden at the time. Absolutely. And 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 it was a short like it was DC trying to be Marvel, right? Trying to yeah. be like trying to bring out like characters that had real life problems, right? A more maturity, more maturity in that in the complexity sense. Like by having these issues, they are more complex characters, yeah, than your traditional Superman, Green Lantern, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So that's a good um, way to put it. Yeah. So. So fast forward, you know, to a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I kind of did a backwards thing um, because I watched the series of Doom Patrol before I watched the series of Titans. Ah. So um, I, I, I did know, I was aware that the Doom Patrol was introduced in the DC uh, Universe show Titans, but um, I hadn't seen it. So I started watching Doom Patrol just fresh off. Um, but it was sort of a backdoor pilot, if you will, 
um, in the series Titans. Now, um, Doom Patrol is its, it has the series is its own thing. There's about three characters that I think that are played by the same people that played it in the um, Titans episode uh, that I think is called Doom Patrol. Yes. Um, I, and and uh, did you guys feel the same? I mean, did you guys experience the same way? Had you watched? Did you watch Titans first or? I watched Titans first. Okay. Uh, no, I'm like you. I didn't. <laughs> until you just told me that Doom Patrol has a backdoor pilot in Titans, yeah. I didn't know. I yeah. I thought Doom Patrol was just its own thing. I, I knew they were tentatively like, okay, they're they're hosted by the same company and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, but I didn't know they actually interlinked. They don't. It, it's it, it, it. Yeah, it's not actually in. A, you know, I think it was meant it's not to. Can, but... It's not canon. No, like, no. Yeah. no, 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 no. They're, they're connected, but they're not connected. It's the same. It's, <laughs> the, con- it's the same actors playing uh, Cliff, Larry, and Rita, but it's a right. different. It's a different chief. Yeah, they actually make the chief French of all things. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's fine. They were just kind of testing the waters, and that's cool. Whatever. Uh, I I found it sort of backwards. Be, well, like I said, Titans, uh, it was actually only over lockdown during COVID that I mm-hmm. watched it. Like, mm-hmm. like, I had heard really good things about Doom Patrol, and I'd heard it, and I had to be like, yeah, that's kind of weird. And then I got happened to get, like, was it DC Universe when they, when the app launched? Yep. Yeah. I started watching it, and then I started, I started watching Doom Patrol. I was like, this is really good. Like, oh, my God, this is funny. And weird, very weird, mm-hmm. and just like eccentric, and I just enjoyed it. It endeared me so much to all the characters. And then I was off to the races, and little did I know, because I had waited so long to watch it, within a couple month, within like a month or two, they're like, "Here's season two. and I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, the shortened season two. Yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, I've seen the trailer for season three, and I'm super excited for it. Super mm-hmm. excited for it. I think I, I. I when right before season two started, that's when I decided I'm going to watch season one. So mm. uh, because I know I went right into season one, and then uh, I binged it, and then I wa- started watching season two. But those were not uh, the way the DCU app is working, uh, or that was working is that they didn't release the whole season at the same time, mm-hmm. so you had to wa- wait a week. So yeah. so I know that for season two, I had to do it, watch it week by week. Oh, Whereas no. for season one, I just binged it. So. Um, I like it. I like that. I like watching things week by week. I like being able to just mull it over and and think about it for a week and, and then, you know, and then and then watch the new one. Uh, when I when I, you know, when I binge stuff, it seems like it just goes by so fast and I have a hard time distinguishing episodes between one another. No, um, totally. But but to be fair, Doom Patrol is it, it's not really that episodic. No. It's more of a, a season long story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to put it because it's real interesting because you had told me, oh, Mike, you've got to watch Doom Patrol. You've got to watch Doom Patrol. I did a lot. (laughs) And I said, and I read the book, so I even knew who Mr. Nobody was. And I knew, you know, who all the different characters. And, oh, my God, when I finally, I had, I waited till I got HBO Max. Mm. Yeah. And because... I wasn't going to go out and buy the DC app or stuff like that. And I was just, I, the first thing I started binging though was Titans. And 
I started on that and saw the Doom Patrol episode and I was like, oh, this is good. And then after I watched that episode, I said, okay, seen that, that and I wonder if it's going to be the same characters, same actors. Then I started on Doom Patrol and I made it like through the first season in like three days. Yeah. And Alan Tudyk as Mr. Nobody was just mm. amazing. And we'll talk about casting, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's – yeah, I I got into it just like that, and I watched it, and I was I was super happy with it. I uh, I love to start talking about it because there's so much good stuff. Because I feel sad. My buddy, I told him like, you need to watch it. You would love this, and he bounced off of it. I was surprised when he told me he bounced off of it. I was like, I could have sworn this was going to be right up your alley for this because I think it's up most people's alleys. It's really good. I'm not sure which came first in terms of which was announced first, but there was also this sort of back and forth to. Uh, I think it should be mentioned before we get into the series that uh, there were two really strange superhero shows that had a connection with Gerard Way, right? Because Gerard Way did a run, I think one of the last runs that was done with uh, uh, Doom Patrol. And so um, you have Doom Patrol coming and then you also have uh, Umbrella Academy coming, which Mm, are both connected to... um, Gerard Way, and they're both like these weird superhero dysfunctional tales, right? Um, right. They're very, for those people out there, they're very different shows. Yeah. Uh, that's where the similarities end, I would say. <laughs> so so if you're thinking one is a copy of the other, it's it's not, that's not right. Um, yeah. Um, there's not really any connection there, but I do find both of them, it's interesting because I think we're getting, and you know, Matthew, you were on when we were reviewing The Boys, and we're getting this sort of like response to, you know, superhero stuff, but we're seeing now series, but they're treating it more seriously. They're looking for different angles. Yeah. Um, they're looking for more mature stories, more mature, more like in-depth characters. And uh, and so we're getting some really creative storytelling, I think, now with superhero concepts that uh I think is, is welcome change. And it's a, a lot of different things. I mean, all those three series that I mentioned are completely different. Oh yeah. yeah. But I do think we have to thank the Berlanti verse for that too, for bringing those, you know, being able to have showing that yes. you have serious superheroes on TV. Is he produced by Berlanti? Yeah. No. Yes, he is. Yes, it is. Yeah, he is? He's a producer? Yeah. Okay. He's an executive producer. He's yeah. an executive. Yeah, that produ- makes sense. He's an executive yeah. producer of that in Titans. Yeah, right. production and they do have grid. a they they do have a brief appearance at the end of the crisis crossover. Uh, yeah, the Doom Patrol does. So, um, so yeah, it is like part of the Berlanti DC verse in sort of some ways. Yeah, yeah, but again, Island of Misfit Poise. We're gonna put this these guys in the corner, and that's what they're gonna stay because that's what they deal with. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Because, and it's real interesting because I liked it because. You know, now whenever I read anything, I went back and started reading the, you know, Grant Morrison stories again. Now I actually hear the characters' voices from the show. <laughs> and it's awesome. And my God, Brandon Fraser as Cliff. Yes. Wow. Genius. Wow. Genius. Perfect. Perfect. And so, he's got a little resurgence out of this, too, I think. No, right? he did. Absolutely. I, I've got a whole thing. Because Brendan Fraser, I loved him as an actor. I grew up with him, basically, because I loved The Mummy. I loved all his movies. I watched mm-hmm. all his movies. And he disappeared off the face of the planet for all very good reasons. And then I was sitting down with Doom Patrol, and then he started talking. 
and you get to see Brendan Fraser as Brendan Fraser right. for a little bit at the beginning. I was like, that's Brendan Fraser. Where the <laughs> hell has he been? And his acting and then the emoting he does because he's not the one in the suit. No. Uh, it's another right. actor. Yeah. But he does all the dialogue and they have a their and supposedly from what I've read, Brendan Fraser is always on set when he's there. And he's doing the lines there in the scenes. Yeah, that's so, not exactly true. We, oh, is uh, it? Okay. Yeah, we're fortunate enough to know, and unfortunately he can join us, but the award-winning Bobby Nash author uh, has appeared in two episodes uh, of the uh, Doom Patrol um, series. The uh, orgasm one... episode, which was just <laughs> freaking awesome. Yeah, that uh... one, and, the, uh, and then the, uh, the first season where, they're, where, the, well, where he's on the bus when they're attacking the little a small town when Mr. Nobody's attacking the town or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's on the bus there. So, uh, yeah, he's much easier to spot in the second though. He's wearing this like bright yellow outfit, but he was saying, yes, that both, um, Mr. Nobody and robot man are, um, uh, actually played by different actors, as you mentioned. Yep. Um, and when he was there anyway, that the voice actors who do them, um, uh, sorry, not Mr. Nobody, um, Larry, uh, negative man. Negative right? man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, uh, Matthew Boomer, who does uh, a Boomer, uh, does uh, the voice of Larry and plays him whenever we see him not in the suit. Um, and uh, same thing with Brendan Fraser. We're not on set uh, during those moments, but oh. but there was a camaraderie between the actors that are in those suits as well as the voices. There's not like there's not any. Uh, sort of um, uh, issues or like anything like that. There's not like, oh, well, they get all the glory and I'm having, I'm in yeah. a suit, that yeah, yeah. kind of thing. There's no attitude like that. It's all just uh, a team oriented thing. Um, and uh, and uh, he said it was really you know fun because he got to uh, talk to them a little bit off you know camera and everything. So oh yeah, so, uh, um, my information yeah, so, was just wrong. Sorry. No 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 no. I mean, I'm sure that might be the case in some cases. But I do know in the scenes that he was in, uh, that wasn't the case. But, yeah. you know, um, but in some cases, like there might be. Um, but like they like to say, they do work very well in tandem. Yeah, um, you can definitely they, they they've done a terrific job doing the voiceover voiceover work because they emote very well. And there's obviously the give props to the physical actors for for portraying portraying the physicality that they need to convey to the audience when they don't get to speak or and and in both those cases you don't see their faces mm -hmm. in any real sense mm -mm. Um, i'm sure there's some puppeteering going on for clint i think no he actually his face doesn't move at all no. it just yeah that's right yeah i so bravo to everyone involved on that on that front for just mm -hmm. trying to convey that because it wouldn't work if it did if they weren't it, in with a uh working in they weren't in synergy with each other I should say. Right. So, um, so yeah, we have Brandon Frazier as Cliff, um, AKA robot man. Um, and, um, I would say that he's probably top billing. Um, and, but you also have to, you know, put in there, Timothy Dalton as, oh, as Niles Calder. Um, what he brings to the, you know, like there was a time when I thought that, <laughs> that Timothy Dalton would never do TV, right? Like, I, he just seemed like he was of that generation that, you know, stage first, then movies, 
um, and uh, and never TV. And then he appeared like one, uh, like did one little uh, bit in Doctor Who episode. Uh, and then he was in Penny Dreadful, and uh, I was really surprised that he did that. But he was so good in that that uh, I think um, I think it, it, I don't know how he felt. I can't speak for him, but I was uh, really impressed by how he was able to take a character uh, through a season long story, and uh, uh, even more so here uh, because he's he brings this gravitas to the chief that I think is absolutely necessary. That. That the the first chief in the Titans episode did not have. <laughs> oh, completely not. It was pretty amazing the difference. It's like night and day in a lot of ways. Yeah, because that guy played him kind of like a eccentric mad scientist guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, whereas Timothy Dalton plays it like a he's like a father figure. Well, he brings the charisma, and he brings the uh, you put the term perfectly gravitas. He the cast. This is why casting is important because how an actor approaches a role is extremely uh, important to how they convey. Mm-hmm. And because it's Timothy Dalton, because he brings that gravitas, you understand why the chief is the chief and why these broken people listen to him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because why is like oh why do these like broken people like latch on and believe this guy? Well, it's Timothy Dalton. And he's he's giving you to convey that this is a smart, brilliant man James with some Bond. very – he has some positive motivations, but there's super deep layers to him and what he's trying to do. And oh, there's some – there's a lot more going on oh, below it, this it, scene. Yeah. yeah and now, that's like – go ahead. No, I was about to say now. Um, I mean obviously we're going to talk spoilers here. So, Mike, I don't – remember in my experience early like with the any of the um incarnations of the doom patrol that this being the case but in the series of course we find out in the first season that um calder's not just helping these people out of the goodness of his heart no you (laughs) actually you actually run into that quite a bit in the comics like later on well um any from literally from the new doom patrol on so from the 70s on, it wasn't always to the benefit. But I've heard even in the 60s run, he, you know, had monologues and stuff where it wasn't that he was just doing this, that some of this. No, no, uh, no, no, no. no. Some, I of, mean... some of the accidents that happened might have not been accidents. Well, that's what I'm. Mean. That's what. Yeah. I don't think it was established that he was the cause of all of their woes. Um, at, at least as it is in the series. I mean, he's yeah. he's taking care of them because they are literally like no, that's children. That, but that's but that's done. but that's right out of the Grant Morrison run. That's and what I okay. That's what yeah I, yeah. And some of the some of the stuff, the origins have been changed a little bit mm-hmm. to modernize it a little bit. Like when you watch the very first episode of Doom Patrol, when you see that Cliff is running the race and everything and then there's that accident and you see that car rolling over towards him and but he, in the episode he pulls out of it and everything in the comic books that's how he dies that he's killed he's a nascar race racer basically and he's killed by you know dorian and his family thinks he's dead and everything like that mm-hmm. not and i thought it was a lot more brilliant the way they did it, you know, that he was having the affairs on his wife and the whole thing that he had the daughter and 
all that type of stuff. I thought that was done a lot better and made a lot more sense. And then him trying to reconcile with them and, you know, him turning his head for a moment to talk to the daughter and turning and getting decapitated basically by the truck. Mm. I thought that was so well done. And in what's interesting about the like Cliff character with the relationship to all of it is Cliff is kind of our POV character because that's who we start with. But he's kind of a can I swear on this show? Well, it's beep you out. Go curse. Go for it. Uh, he's so, kind of a piece. Of, yeah, he's a, he's a total piece of in the beginning. Yeah, but he's your POV character. You're like, oh, I hate this guy. Why do we? Why are we following him? And then because you realize. While he, while everyone gets time in the sun, and it's everyone's story. He's the introduction story. He's yes. the redemption arc. He is the yes. how can we make these people better people, even in the face of adversity. And initially, they make great prog- They make progress and stuff through the chief. But when ch- when the chief lets them down and the secret is revealed, they have to internalize and break. They break again, and then through season two, they're they're healing again. Mm-hmm. And they're growing. And every time they break, they come back a little stronger and a little bit better, which is really the endearing quality of this show, like, at its core, is about just because you hurt and earn pain and there's trauma does not mean you can't be better. And, and you can help. And you can do more. No, and, that's a good way to put it, actually. And And that's what – and also the characters are absolutely just unimaginably entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're interacting with each other. Right. Yeah. They see like in the comics, they didn't even touch on Larry being homosexual and stuff until the, you know, until the Grant Morrison run. Mm. And yeah. so I don't, I don't think they would have. <laughs> no, not at all. Rita was right outside, right out of the comic, which was awesome. But she just basically had the ability to grow tall, really tall and right. big she, and stretch. Yeah. She didn't look like. This. No, she didn't have like she didn't blob out. Yeah, she didn't blob out. Um, Which is a great addition to her character to give her flaws to give her a problem. Yeah. But I yeah, think, um, I think in the comics, obviously, you know, Robot Man is kind of cool because he's a robot and he's kind of uh, you a know man. sassy, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so he's got attitude. Uh, Mister Nobody, I'm uh, not Mister Nobody. I keep doing that, but um, uh, Larry, right? Negative Man Negative is. Man is is a mystery right he really is like um you know he obviously his look is inspired by hg wells invisible man so you got that sort of bandaged look and he's mysterious and we're not really sure about him and all that kind of stuff i like getting to the opportunity to get to know him in this series but i i was familiar with rita a little bit from the comics of course and I just never connected with her and I give the series so much credit because Rita really turns out to be the heart of the team um, Mm -hmm. in a way that I did not really see coming. And uh, you know um, the, the way it's written of course is a lot, but also April Bellby just blows me away. I don't think I, maybe I'd seen her in a couple things beforehand, but man, she puts on an incredible, incredible performances as do all everybody really but. yeah as do everyone but what i said about rita is interesting because you don't think that she'll be the heart of the show like the beating heart of the team right but she is one of the characters that says no i am going to make myself better and you are all going i'm dragging all of you with me is basically what her stance is mm-hmm. and it's delightful and, and another point because we're talking about rita and we're talking about cliff 
and the idea how they wedged merged the idea they're all immortal or mm-hmm. they're all ageless in the show so that we can go through time with them yes and see them at different points it's brilliant because we get to see so much of rita's history because we get to see her through her many 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 years of living with the chief because she's one of the oldest members exactly of the doom patrol right because she came basically in the early 50s to the chief and you know then larry was in the early 60s because he was a test fight pilot mm-hmm. and you know and he was you know going into suborbit on the the jets and that's yeah. how he got his powers jane who we haven't even talked about yet yeah and and oh, yeah, jane, feel free to talk about it now oh but jane um was obviously in the early 70s i think 70s yes yeah. 70 yeah. like late seven mid late 70s because she yeah. you know the whole thing that her story is just amazing and it's it's awful and awesome all at the same time because mm-hmm. it's dealing with different the different time periods that she she had to live through mm-hmm. and like and just how she how she has to adapt herself to the team and also you're not you're not exactly sure who you're looking at at any given time right and, <laughs> that, and that's a good the way fact to put that it she's got multiple personalities and each one of them has a different power set mm-hmm. um and then uh really especially in season two man we we learn all about that 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 city or whatever that's going the underground that's, yeah that's in her head what her yep. psyche is battling through with all these different personalities and man it's it's that, fascinating that is oh. one of the most compelling parts of this series is towards the end you're just watching and going when are we going to get back to the underground and what the hell is going on <laughs> oh the story when cliff went down there yeah. to yeah. try to get her out oh now it, now you're making me i haven't watched it in like for a year i need to go back and like shotgun <laughs> the entire doom patrol series just, i'm like i'm remembering how good it was and i just yeah. need to go watch it again yeah yeah exactly and that's that's what makes it so freaking awesome is the different layers jane is an amazing character then you have cliff then you have rita and larry you have the chief who pops in and out but then you also have cyborg which which oh i gotta say i gotta say this i gotta say this i don't like cyborg i never liked him as a (laughs) character character. okay as a character never liked cyborg didn't think he was i'm like oh Cyborg's in doom patrol what the hell and then he introduced him i'm like damn you all for making me feel for cyborg yeah. Like completely because you started really getting to the character, to his nuances, his idea of like what's real, what's not real, what's programming, what's not programming. And then doing that, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. man, you guys, you did it. You, This is a cyborg I want to. Oh, the cyborg on the show is so much better than the Justice League cyborg mm-hmm. and that right. we got. And I was very curious, though, because, you know, they had planned Titans. Why wasn't Cyborg on Titans? Because he was originally a Titan character. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also surprised too because I mean he was in the Justice League movie. He was supposed to have his own movie. Like everybody in the Justice League was supposed to have their own movie. And usually DC doesn't like to like if you're using one character on one thing, they're like, nope, you can't use him on this. And I was really surprised that he shows up here because that's why you lost Slade Wilson on the TV show on arrow. And so exactly. And that's why, that's why on legends we're losing John Constantine because they want to do a John Constantine show on HBO max. So, um, uh, you know, so they, they, they're really adamant about that. And yet 
um, Cyborg pops up here, which is weird because I don't know, Mike, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's in any incarnation of the Doom Patrol I've ever seen. No, he's not. <laughs> he never has been in the Doom Patrol. Yeah. But I think he fits perfectly no, he, in the series. It's nice to have what it's what's what's what makes him I think his role in the series, and I think he does it really well, is that he represents like like in this universe. I'm like what everybody should be think of as a hero, right? Correct. <laughs> he's like the standard, quote unquote. Even though he's you know new, he I mean he does mention that he's worked with the Justice League. Um, he does mention that you know that that you know he's he's this is a this is a weird group of quote unquote heroes because they don't act like heroes that he's used to. So he's the he's the direct standard that they compare themselves. To. He's the straight man. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He's the ultimate. Yeah. He's the ultimate series, straight man in this. He's yeah. the straight man to the show that everyone bounces off of, and then he realizes that the show's going and is, like, oh, I'm no different than any of these guys. No, because no. he's got as much baggage as the rest of. Them. Yeah, he he doesn't realize he his heroism, his nobility is a shield against his own yep. flaws, yep. and he's like, no, I will do good because I have these powers and everything, and everything will be great. And it's like, yeah, buddy, but you're not dealing with your trauma. That's the problem. Yeah, he's you don't doing have it to a... escape from you know, and and to go against his father's wishes. Yeah, and dealing with the trauma of his father and what his father did to him, and I think they handled that in the show brilliantly because it's layered. It's not straightforward. It's it, there's much going. There's a lot more going on, and I know we keep saying that over and over again, but it's true. It's it makes it interesting and you you're there for Vic as he's going through these trials and tribulations, especially when he's starting to come to grips with his own sort of what he considers a disfigurement. Like, like I'm not a person like I am in his mind malformed. That's why we see when he meets his girlfriend in the second uh, season two, I think, Mm -hmm. and she gets powers and uh, having to deal with that. And he's coming to grips with it, but he realizes there's a lot more nuance. There's a lot more going on. Everyone has their disabilities, but they just show it differently. Correct. And yes. that's what was so deep about his character. And the actor they have playing him is is awesome. Yep. And, yeah. and I love, you know, it's like. He doesn't say booyah all the time. Oh, thank God. I think he said it once. <laughs> yeah, I think he did say it once. There's, I mean, there's one moment where to, he right? says booyah. Yeah, yeah. You and I think, to, but... I, I think Robot Man, like, calls him on it later. <laughs> Yeah, like you're so not gonna know no booya, yeah. never know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know that was a. That's from Titans, like Go, right? That's yeah, from, yeah, Titans yeah. Go. Yeah, because I was like, that's not anything he ever said in the the Wolf and Paris run. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, so yeah, we've talked about our group of heroes. Um, we got to mention the big bads season one, because I've obviously, uh, mistakenly mentioned him already several times, but <laughs> Mr. Nobody from season one, uh, played marvelously by Alan Tudyk, who, um, you know, and, and, and in one small scene in season one, he's played by, uh, Ed Asner, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, but, um, uh, look, um, this character breaks the fourth wall 
talks directly yep. to us, narrates us. He's the one who is taking us through the the whole uh, season, right? Yeah, oh. He's literally the narrator. He's, the, he's, the, he's <laughs> narrating each one of those their origins and everything. Yeah, he's yeah. going to, because he's a ninth dimensional being or something silly like yeah. that. From when Rita, that you know, from Never. the scene where Rita found the meteorite to yep. you know Larry, you know, getting possessed by the energy being. And then the auto accident, you know, it was just literally, it was just yeah. like, that's right, dear listeners. These are your superheroes <laughs> for this week. And, you know, exactly. and, but they're not really superheroes. They're the losers known as the Doom Patrol. And what's no notice at the end, that's how they kind of beat him. Because they're like, you have to kind of play by the narrative rules. Mm-hmm. And once we start playing by those rules, you can and can't do certain things. And then like, Oh, now we can do stuff. Uh, now we can actually, but then it's less about punchy, punchy. We're saving the day, and more of like, how can we confront our trauma to do the right thing at the right moment? <laughs> and and he's such a big presence in season one. Um, I was not concerned, but I was just kind of like, what are they gonna? How are they gotta follow this up in season two? Oh, then they did with Dorothy. Yeah, um, and in, uh, season two we get like, yeah, where Dorothy and Jane take really yeah. center stage in season. Give two, it to right? the ladies in this season. Well, I, I, I will say I'm going to season two. I did miss Tudyk a lot. I oh, felt yeah. that there wasn't a good like weird like big villain or something to kind of anchor and drive the story going forward. Yeah, I agree. But as things developed, as you got to know Dorothy. And the complexity and what what her interaction with herself and Jane and then the even deeper backstory of of Niles of the chief. And you're like, okay, I don't need that anymore. Right. Because this is some weird, weird like He's- just straight oddball what is going on. No one's giving me answers. And season two allows us to to get to know these characters individually on a deeper level than mm. I felt like we got in season one. So, because season one, I felt like, you know, Mr. Nobody is, is telling us a little bit about each of these characters and everything, but it's on his agenda. Yeah. Right? Season two, we don't have his agenda. So we're just learning about them. It, it's almost like we're being held hostage by Mr. Nobody. Yes. To watch and see what he wants you to see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we don't and have the way that you see it. Exactly. Yep. Um, you, get, you get the slow burn with Dorothy, though. You get, oh, yeah. and yeah. I I think season two was robbed because of the shortened season. But, kind of. Percent. I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, we don't know because they'll get to finish. Um, oh, because see. when they come back in season three, they will finish. But exactly what we're going to get, I don't know. But I, I, I you know, I hope we I, get better than what we got with Trigon in the Titans because that was such a joke. How they? I haven't watched t- Titans at all. Uh, I've been thinking about watching it, but it's fun. I like, I like Titans. I do. Um, so I, I would recommend Titans, but that's, that's a different show. Um, (laughs) um, uh, but I will say that, um, you know, I, I kind of, I thought it was like ballsy of them. I mean, even though it was out of their control, I was kind of thinking, you know what? Doom Patrol is, is one that, um, if it ended the way that it ends in season two, I'm like, that that's disturbing and like that i'm okay with that because this show allows for that kind of 
disturbing ending. So, mm. so I just saw – I just looked on Wikipedia and a little factoid in my brain. My synapses fired and it put some things together. So we got the we got the shortened season right. It was like yep. eight episodes, okay. and a normal season is the first season was thir- was fifteen episodes. I think the second so, season was supposed to be originally. Yeah, it was supposed to be like eleven episodes or twelve episodes. Like it was supposed to be shorter, but not that much shorter. The first three episodes of season three are tentatively scheduled for the end of September, September twenty third, and we're getting three episodes all at once. Mm. So I think if yeah, they were gonna... smart. What they're doing is they're going to close off the arc yep. from season two yes. in those first three episodes mm-hmm. yeah. while of, also building into what the what they wanted probably to do in season three. A it's lot the of the streaming – a, a lot of stream, I was about to say a lot of streaming um, are putting out the first three episodes and then going weekly from there. Yeah. And it's pretty much – you know, it's pretty standard what they yeah. do now. What today they released uh, Why the Last Man. Oh, yeah. On Hulu. And basically, um, they released the first three episodes, and then it's going to be weekly. And they yeah. did that with the boys. They did that with you know all the way you're, through. You're 100 percent right. You, you, I mean, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. No, right? but I think these it would are, it would be brilliant if they yeah, did do that. These are obviously yeah. some exceptionally smart writers. Like yes, like we can't. You, they have learned nothing but goodwill from me. So I trust that they will do a very clever and smart thing to sort of t- bring it home to us and then move us right along into the next arc. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's see, though, you know, let's talk about some of the recurring characters because they've, <laughs> they've had some amazing recurring characters on this. Yep. And, you know, of course, you, we talked about Flex already. Mm. Flex Mentello. He, who's that, just awesome. What? Like that's that was my idea when I heard about Flex and like okay he's a guy who if he if he's a really buff dude they got a really good actor for him uh, and they're like yeah if he flexes his muscles a certain way he can kind of do whatever he wants and I'm like that's a little weird and they introduced him in a weird way and then everything went down no one say downhill but everything went sideways from there uh, once he gets the Danny Street and uh, what we see what happens in season two. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Dan and, Street is probably one of the most unique characters that's ever been on television. Well, Danny, <laughs> he's Danny the Brick right now. Yeah, well, he's no, Danny he's the Danny Brick. the Bus. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's Danny the Bus. He was Danny the Street. Then he's Danny the Brick, who and broke. He, who broke, and then he became Danny the Bus. The Bus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the concept of Danny is so like. I mean, for those people who are listening, if anybody's out there is listening and has not seen the show, um, I can't. They, they probably think we're insane talking about Right. But. I can't. Like, Danny is, you're just like, what? I can't grasp what you're talking about. Oh, he's also I, a, tra- Danny the Street is also a transvestite. Yes. I also. I, I, well, and like that- a gendered, like, like has no gender or no. not exactly sure. He, he's, yeah. he's very transvestite. He dr- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So look at the people yeah. he, 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 he keeps around. It, well, yeah, he's, anyways, what we're saying is Danny the Street is literally a sentient street. Yes. He, it's he, extremely whimsical, like in the raw sense of like ancient fairy tale whimsical. He's a place. It's he's such a, a sentient... crazy concept that I have to give uh, – this is to your point, Matthew, where the writers are so smart because they've made Danny accessible. Yeah. Like if you watch the show when you're watching it, you don't even question. You don't sit back and go, what are they doing? You're oh. just like, this is another thing. 
Well, because they've by the time you get to Danny the Street, you're like, what weird shit's going to happen? <laughs> like, really, you're going to be like, I'm cool. I'm just going to sit here in my popcorn. Something weird's going to happen on this, this television. But you, didn't, you didn't think it was weird that they got vomited by a donkey? No, no, that's the introduction scene. Let me be very clear. At the beginning, you have a, a proselytizing cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get over that fact and sort of like process it through your brain, you're cool. You can handle anything else in the show because I think they did that very intentionally. Like we have to shock their system in the first episode because if you're not into this in the first episode, you're not going to like any of it. Oh, because like, it's just, just going to keep going. It just because, goes out there and out yeah, there yeah. and out there. Yeah, and <laughs> and Danny Street's a great, lovable character. Anytime he's mentioned or he, you're interacting with Danny, it's a delightful time because Danny the Street. What I love how they interact with Danny in that he he changes signs, newspapers roll up on you, and it tells you what Danny wants to say. Like it's it's delightful how they make this like a person or the marquee while still, or yeah the... changing marquees and also introducing what Danny represents a safe space right you a also... safe space for for all the misfits yeah and but then you also have characters and of course you have you know of course Mark Shepard oh, as yeah. Kipling as Kipling they wanted they wanted Constantine. They weren't allowed to, so they made a new character. Yeah, they made basically a new character because yeah, it is Constantine. It is Constantine, yep. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, and I loved you know Phil Morris's uh, Vic's dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. everything, and it's just it's just awesome. And then you just it's just it's just interesting the different characters, and then all the characters you have as the different personalities of Jane. Yeah. Like the conductor or, you know. And now, uh, let me ask you this. Because now, you know, obviously when we see Jane, uh, well, when we see her, when she's depicted, like, obviously it's the same actress inhabiting different characters, right? When mm-hmm. we go inside her head, all of her personalities are played by different actresses. Correct. So- well, some, some of them are, are right. Like the conductor is played by the same actress. That's true. That's true. Some yeah, of the other. Right. It has to do with, it, as far as I have been I'll able, be honest, that kind of threw me off. I was kind of like, shouldn't they all be played by her? Actually, I think it has to do with some are more divergent from her root original personality yeah. than, than her. And the closer they are to her original personality, the, closer the more they, they look, look like, like her. her. Yeah, that's, Where a, the, that's a good way to put it. Um, I... I, I yeah, it's and it's a lot like yeah. I mean, it would be a really heavy load on her if she had to as an actress to play everybody. Yeah, um, you know, I think also, I think SAG would start getting involved. Like, hey, hey, hey. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> also, it was, it's also a way of representing the differences. The sixty-four so, characters. Yes. Because yeah, sixty-four characters in her head, and we have to be in her head, and we have to know who's who at any given time. We've got to like showcase that they all are different. Mm-hmm. And, in some extreme way. And some of them aren't going out for Jane's best interest either Mm-mm. at all. Right. Nope. And you find that more during the second season than in the first. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there's still – there's a still big mystery as far as what's going on with her origins. Um, and uh, I think we're just getting to the – we were just getting so close. And then obviously uh, the season had to end. Um I I agree that the villains of the piece in the second season haven't been as strong. Um, but I, I, I mean, obviously, how do you follow up the first season? But I will say, um, once they narrow down at the end, uh, towards the end of the season, they narrow down to really just out of all of um, uh, Dorothy's imaginary friends, just the candle maker. 
Like that. Well, the, the candle maker killed everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. The candle maker is creepy as f. Like it is like visually and scarier than anything on that series or well, anything that I've seen in a lot of other things. What's interesting about Jane versus Dorothy? Look at their powers. Look what they do. Look how similar they are mm-hmm. in some weird way. Oh, absolutely. However, Dorothy uh, Jane's is all internal. But I think Dorothy's tapping into like a Lovecraftian mythos, if you will. Oh, and very she much has so. to confront it. Right. And I think something to do with her my my speculations, pure speculations, is about her mother and some weird thing that she had to do. She she guarded the earth against outer entities, and Dorothy has to take that mantle when she becomes quote unquote a woman. Um and once she does that, she has to confront the candle maker now i don't know i maybe the candle maker is evil i'm not sure hmm. they're very good at making the the, the everything true. nuanced that's true so we are not exactly sure what what will happen with the candle maker and dorothy you're right um but it is like obviously we get uh, you know the, the whole thing is like save save the girl save the world yeah uh, because you know dorothy has the power to destroy everything Mm-hmm. Um, or or whatever's going on with her, she has uh, the ability to either stop or destroy. Like uh, it's still not exactly a hundred percent clear, as you mentioned. So um, whether she will be our savior or whether she'll I, I, look. All being said, that as a character, the actress is playing her. I remember when kid actors used to suck. Um, <laughs> I am constantly impressed over the last decade that these kids come in and just do these amazing performances because they're asked to do amazingly extraordinary things. And this girl who's playing Dorothy has gone through so much and she's so good. Oh yeah. No, Um, it's pretty amazing. I didn't like her at the beginning. I really didn't just like Vic. I didn't like (laughs) Spreadwork. Right. You guys, the actors, the writing, everything made me more intrigued by what their characters and what they were going through. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, we got to close up, but I'm going to ask you this, each one of this, uh, you, this last question. We're on the brink of uh, seeing season three. Um, I, with this series, it is not easy to predict what's going to happen. Um, but do you have any hopes for season three uh, going in uh, that you'd like to see or, see develop or anything of that nature uh mike you seem to have an answer at the ready so i'm gonna i'm gonna go point to you man we're getting the brotherhood of evil we are getting the brotherhood of evil (laughs) come on you know which is going to be awesome like if you had told little teenage me that we were going to see the brotherhood of evil on a show i would have been like what you're crazy but which makes perfect sense based on the relationship that the gorilla has with the brain and the, the themes that they've had through season one and season yes. two, the only, it's just going to be It's interesting. The only time you've ever seen them on TV is on Brave and the Bold. They've yeah. actually, they were actually villains on that yep. a couple times. But yeah, it, you're going to see live. Version, yeah, yeah, you're going to see, see the live action versions. And, um, and, uh, and, and more specifically, Michelle Gomez. who Michelle Gomez as the I Baroness. Love. Which is, uh, and don't get her confused with the Baroness from G.I. Joe. No. <laughs> no, no, that would be to your peril. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in either case. Oh, very I think much. Either so. one of them would be happy about that. And you know, I'm I'm sure we're going to get a visit, of course, from the uh, those wonderful people. The Bureau of Normalcy will be popping up again. Oh yeah, yeah. The board, mm. your Bureau of Normalcy is is a great boogeyman for the whole for show. These, yeah, for the whole thing. Oh, and I love um, I love those butt monsters that were living down there. I, uh, I, I wonder if too, uh, you know, if I don't think we've seen the last of the Sex Men either. Yeah, no. they need to talk more about the sex patrol or the sex men. That's right, the sex men. Like, that was the name of the episode. Wow, that episode. Wow. Yeah. And I, I guarantee every episode will be something patrol. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Wow, you really went out on the limb. I man. went out on the limb with that, <laughs> that was one, a, that, was a, that, that was a hot take from you. Mm, yeah. uh, as for my prediction, yes. honestly, Predictions I can't. Predictions are expectations or hope. My expectation, well, okay, expectation and hope is the easy one. I'm going to take the easy way out. I hope it's good because I think it will be. <laughs> well, damn. that's a hot take. For I was gonna hope it sucked. No, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, for me, here's the thing. A, I haven't. I'll be perfectly honest. Haven't watched it in over a year, but I still love the show. Mm-hmm. I, I would have to go back and watch it to really give you like my honest uh, prediction. But regardless, also that the show is so weird, it would almost be impossible to predict or to see. Yes. Right. Obviously, we'll delve more into probably Jane. Oh, you have we'll to. See, you have yeah, to. We, yeah, because she's got literally 64 layers to her and, and her time period. And what's going on with the well? You know, Yeah, the well, what it means, how she's going to confront her. Like, she already confronted her father, sort of, but where the trauma – but also the trauma of how she – her personality is divided because that's – we saw the origin of that, but we haven't seen any resolution to it. Um, trying to think of what else. Obviously, yeah, I don't know. Um, they were actually in a surprisingly strong. Like all the characters were in a surprisingly strong place at the end of season eight. Which uh, worries season two, me. I mean. <laughs> yeah, which worries me. Right? They have to. Something has to happen. But I'm okay if they make a little more progress. If there's a little more external than internal conflict, because the whole point is we we've seen them for two seasons break and grow and break and grow. It's okay if they reach a like a sort of a plateau right. at least at this point, yeah. And then they have to go confront something external. Yeah. I loved it at the end of season two at the at the circus where they were all confronting their sins or their you know something from their past that they had to deal with. Their imaginary friends, exactly. And, yeah, they were the- and Cliff had to meet Jesus, <laughs> which course. was just awesome. <laughs> it beat the crap out of me. Exactly, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, this show is <laughs> almost beyond description, everyone. It, this show this. doesn't pull punches. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And, and also, uh, one of the few shows that I would actually like, you need to be of a mature mind to really watch this show and get it. It's very funny, but man, not for, not for the faint of heart either. Mm. Yeah. Zero. Is, or and, if you're and, a prude. And, <laughs> and, yeah. And, right. And, and as you said, it's it's it really is for mature audiences. and But they're not, you know, they're not they're not beneath a, a fart joke either so no, <laughs> oh. no they're not like, or, that's or, actually... a, or a butt joke come on yeah, yeah, <laughs> running but, around butts but, yeah but i obviously... think i think one of the strongest things about the series is that they're willing to tackle its topics and subjects and things that you never see on no. tv or, or have depicted you know in ways that are so unique and so different that superman would never deal with this stuff (laughs) no 
<laughs> you wouldn't have a Superman comic dealing with this. Oh. No. You would have a Superman proxy deal sure. with it. You sure. would never see Superman deal with some of the stuff that he deals with. And that's why I said the Island of Misfit Toys. Yep. They deal yep. with the crap that in DC Universe, no normal, like the normal superheroes that you think of in the comics <laughs> would not want to deal with these things. Downtown Lawrenceville has never looked better, though. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we definitely look forward to third season set to premiere just in a few weeks, right? September yep. 20, yep. 10, weeks, days, so 10 days from now. Forward. Now yep. that's Winter. awesome. So we won't have long to wait. So hopefully you guys are caught up as well. And whatever you think of the Doom Patrol, let us know because uh, if you want us to cover season three, which we are more than happy to do um, later on this year, let us know and we we will we'll talk more about Doom Patrols. So. Okay, hold on, I need to flex real quick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. No, nope. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Um, all right. So before we like start doing other things that we probably shouldn't do on the podcast, yep. um, <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and we're going to get a little creative. everybody, Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Last June, Britney Spears testified passionately that she wanted to end the conservatorship that has run her life for the past 13 years. On August 12th, her father, Jamie Spears, uh, agreed to step down as her financial conservator. And last Tuesday, in a surprise move, he filed to end the conservatorship completely, saying if Ms. Spears wants to terminate the conservatorship, and believes that she can handle her own life, Mr. Spears believes that she should get that chance. Legal experts have looked at this, and they're not convinced. They think this is pretty much just a way for him to uh, look like the good guy and punt it back to the court, knowing that they are not going to end it. Uh, so we will have to wait and see. The case will be heard on September 29th. Meanwhile, Brittany was not at Sunday's VMAs, but she totally managed to upstage the whole thing by announcing on Twitter and Instagram that she is engaged to her longtime boyfriend, Sam Asgari, showing off the $100,000 four-carat engagement ring. You go, girl. Also, Johnny Marr is releasing an EP on uh, October 15th titled Fever Dreams Part 1. He has dropped a new single called Spirit, Power, and Soul as a little preview. Check it out on your music delivery system of choice. And Sting's new album called The Bridge will be out November 19th. The single from that album called If It's Love is out now. The album will be released in all formats, including cassette. The deluxe CD and album will have bonus tracks, including Sting's take on Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Uh, Sting is doing some European dates this fall, and at the end of October, he goes to Las Vegas for what all classic rock artists seem to do, a Vegas residency. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. We'll catch you next time. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Welcome back. It's time for the Creative Outlet segment. And we're here with 
Dennis Robinson of the Botch Podcast. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Also, Michael, uh, we just met right beforehand. Thank you as well. I <laughs> still enjoy your tiki collection. I'm trying to go through each one. But uh, so <laughs> what I'm coming on the show to talk about is I just launched my first ever comic book Kickstarter. Uh, it's called Lycan Solomon's Odyssey. It is a 60-page, fully illustrated graphic novel that's about the world's first werewolf. So this is a planned series. Uh, whether or not it gets backed, I'm still going to make this series because I'm that much of a crazy person. Uh, I've actually the, – the first book is completely done. So I know a lot of people have hesitation with Kickstarters because, you know, it's not a guarantee. But literally the book is done, so you are definitely going to get what you pay for because this is a dream that I've had for more than a decade. I had this idea a long time ago and then shelved it because I was going into the real world. I didn't think it was going to be a realistic possibility. And then I go to my first Dragon Con in 2017, and I start talking to other podcasters and other nerds. And so I pitched the idea to them, and they loved it. And it's gone through many iterations over time because I don't know how to write a comic book at the time. So I, I was learning everything on the scratch, networking, talking to all these different people. And now it's at a point where everybody I've shown it to has really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I also have a fantastic art team that I've, you know, put together from uh, various outlets and things like that through networking and whatnot. And I couldn't be prouder. And what I like to tell people is even if my writing's not that great, at least the book will be super pretty to look at. And I was going to ask you how you met these folks because the art is beautiful. I've seen yeah. that view of it. So Very the nice. cover artist was through networking. One of our patrons at Botched Podcast had shown me this artist's uh, work. His name is Christian Dabari. And I, I really dug it, but I was like, ah, it's not what I'm going for on the inside. But when I was looking for a cover artist, I was like, this guy makes amazing covers. And they really grab you. So I was like, reached out to him. It just so happened he was right in a little small period of time where he could do it. Boom, I got that done. Uh, for my artists, I actually uh, was more, again, through networking where um, my art editor had recommended to me a Facebook page where it's called Pairing Writers with Artists. And it's very, like, legit, very businessy. You know, they do not take any guff. Everything has to be on the up and up. And so I put out, you know, asks for artists and said, you know, send me your work. This is what I'm looking for. And I said, I'm looking for somewhere between uh, the, the graphic novel Love the Lion and the other graphic novel Hillbilly, which if you look at those two books, they're very, very different styles. But my uh, artist for the, the book himself, Sal uh, Denaire, he did an amazing job of capturing like a good in-between. And then I actually didn't even want to do inking because I, I really like the color scheme of Love the Lion. And the colorist, Ezekiel Dominguez, from uh, he's actually in uh, – south america he did a fan like the colors are really really good and I, I basically told him i was like i'm looking for aladdin a little bit so even at you know at night in the desert typically your colors are going to be like brownish or maybe a little slightly different color brown not this book it's purples and blues really deep rich colors because i really love color um but as i said so this book is the first in a planned series and each book is going to basically cover a different period in time and so you're going to get to see different mythologies and folklores from all different aspects of the world. So like Saudi Arabian folklore, uh, Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, uh, you know, uh, all kind, the Arthurian legend, like all kinds of different stuff over the series. And it's going to be about a 15-book 
series. That's what I have planned so far. So I have a lot of work left to do. But this second book is actually already drafted and ready to go for the artists whenever they get to it. So as I said, head over to www.hiveheadstudios.com to find the Kickstarter. Or you can just search for Lycan Solomon's Odyssey on Kickstarter. If you do back the project, I will be forever grateful. How did you, you know, how much longer is the Kickstarter going on for? So the Kickstarter runs until October 3rd. So we're one week of just a little bit over one week in, and we already made close to $4,000. So we're almost uh, 70 to 75% of the way there. So I'm super happy with how fast it's progressed in the little time that I've had. Uh, but, you know, more work to do. Hey, I'm glad we caught you early on and we're able to help you with this. Yeah, you know, thank you so much. Our listeners have been really good about donating to you to different Kickstarters that we've had on the show. And so hopefully, you know, we can get you over the finish line. That would be uh, amazing. And I'm sure you have bonus stuff if, you know, once you hit your goals and everything like that. Too. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, more enamel pins. I have a baseball cap. We have hardcover editions, uh, dust jackets, all kinds of different stuff. Excellent, my friend. Well, we will have a link to this up on our show notes. And good luck, my friend. Thank you so much. Dennis, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure let's as take, always. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to close up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is ranking the episodes from Season 1 of American Horror Stories. American Horror Stories, the anthology series that feeds into the normal American Horror Stories series, is all done, and it was great. There were some episodes that were absolutely amazing, and I just wanted to give you all my ranks of the seven episodes this season. So starting at number five would be The Naughty List. This episode was probably the one I liked the least this season, but it was more for the fact that I really didn't like any of the characters except Danny Trejo's killer character. The Influencer Boys, I despised all of them and was happy to see them die. Number four, I really need to combine episodes one, two, and seven all together. They are all focused on the same characters in the murder house, and I would really suggest watching them all together for the full story in one sitting. Number three, I would say, would be Baal. But don't get me wrong, these last three episodes were all amazing, and it was really hard to pick three, two, and one. Baal was super creepy with the demon and magic aspect to it, and Billy Lord is amazing in everything I ever see her in, so I absolutely love this episode. Number two would have to be Drive-In. This episode was fantastic, and I love how it's just such an amazing horror story feel to it. It felt like an old episode of Tales from the Crypt, and it kept my attention the whole entire episode, which is normally pretty hard to do. And at number one, I would have to say would be Feral. I loved this episode. It was super creepy. It had a great twist at the end, and it really made me double think ever wanting to go camping again because super creepy. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? You're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Air Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Matthew, thank you, thank you for joining us here. No problem. Any, I, I love being here. 
I get to goob about shows I really like. Well, <laughs> basically, you know, anytime we have an adult TV show <laughs> with superheroes I mean, yeah. in it, you're, we know who's coming up. Hell, yep. we have, we have uh, boys season three is coming up very soon. Yeah, yeah. I am eager. We are getting more stuff about uh, Soldier Boy. Uh, and uh, how that's going to interact. And we're getting a lot of weird but very clever publicity. We're getting a lot of shorts about Vought TV, like the, the like Vought TV and stuff. Right. Like like all the stuff promoting the, the like the in-universe television network. It's very interesting. I, I'm eager to see where everything goes. I'm going to be very curious to see where it goes because I also know we're getting Herogasm. Which, oh, Jesus. which is going to be interesting to see if that's going to have a PG or a very hard, hard, hard R. And oh. I, <laughs> we'll see. We'll yep. see. It'll exactly. be great regardless. Exactly. It should be a lot of fun. Do you want to promote yourself or anything you want to shout yes. out about? Yeah. Um, so I do a podcast called Polyhedron. It's an RPG-focused podcast done with my friends, Ryan and Scott. Uh, we just did our episode at DragonCon. That will be releasing very shortly. Uh, and then we're going to be going doing going back to our normal schedule of us just talking about RPG stuff, news, all that fun stuff. You can find us at PolyhedronCast on Twitter. Uh, the email of the show is at PolyhedronCast at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah, if you're into role-playing games, come check us out. That is awesome. And it's a great show, folks. I've listened to a couple times. So, and, you know, and... Matthew and I have done a few panels even at DragonCon together. Yes, we have. You have. So we hopefully we'll be back next year. Fingers crossed. And what, yeah, yeah. during the panels, I think we came up with like six other new panels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a running tally over the weekend. How many new panels can we make? Mm -hmm. Exactly. While, we like, while doing a panel. Exactly. We were like, that's not a bad one. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. No, we'll do that one. That's <laughs> and Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do, and this will probably be the last time I mention it for a little while because as you guys are listening to this, the uh, Kickstarter campaign for the Tiki Zombie 10-Year Tikiversary Special is over. Uh, as of we're recording bah, this, bah. I still have a few more days, and uh, so I'm still um, excited to see how this is going to turn out. But it's obvious that uh, we, uh, we reached the goal um, and we went over the goal. So um, to everybody, I don't know what the final tally is going to be. So, um, or how many backers we're going to have completely, but um, I, I massive, massive, massive thanks. Uh, mahalo mucho to everybody who supported this campaign, whether you backed it or shared it or, you know, just even said, Hey, that's pretty cool. I, I really appreciate all the support that I've gotten from everybody um, and, uh, now we do the hard work where the book, we finish up the books and get them to you. Uh, the plan is to hopefully have them in your hands by Halloween. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I can't thank everybody enough for my first experience with Kickstarter. It's been a pleasant one. It will definitely not be my last. So, uh, you know, you'll be hearing, uh, probably me, uh, uh, promote another one pretty soon but in the meantime uh, all I have to say is just a big 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 thank you. So basically we'll be seeing issue 5 of Tiki Zombie coming out onto Kickstarter very soon right? Um, I've got after we're done 4 I'm going to finish up another book uh, so that'll probably be the next thing I do on Kickstarter and then um, but I think there is definitely going to Yay, that's awesome, my friend. Awesome. Uh, 
and I was very proud and very happy for you to pass your goal and hopefully you're happy with the numbers you ended up with. So we'll see. Congratulations. That's very cool. All right. My shout out. I finally have gotten a hold of Apple TV. So folks, now it's time for, you know, me to start, you know, falling in love with some of the shows up there and show number one, which everyone has been telling me to watch, of course, is Ted Lasso. Ted has been a blast. I have, everyone has said, watch Ted Lasso and I haven't watched it yet. I, I think I should. It, it it was the same way with me, and it's impossible not to like the show. It's like you have no soul if you don't like okay, it. Okay, give me the elevator pitch real quick. Uh, I actually that's, know that's, that's, that's a lot coming from you, Mike. Yeah, I know. For me, who has no soul, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, um, Ted Lasso basically is a football coach from the United States. He coached uh, college football. He is hired by a British football club to become the coach of their team oh no and so basically fish out of water type thing and learning curve but this guy has one of the most positive attitudes you have ever seen and it's it's just a wonderful show it's impossible not to like him and not in a sickly like you know you're great you're awesome and you know what you're a nice person no. right right yeah. that's saccharine yeah exactly no this is a really awesome awesome show and so i highly recommend it and it's you know it's just started second season i think the first seven episodes are out of the second season now so you definitely can check it out and worth it all the way the seasons are only 10 episodes each i mean oh yeah and it's only 30 minutes per episode so it's you know and i we're already on the second season and we're looking forward to seeing what comes next and i think you know there's a couple there's an alternate reality space program on there that a, friend, a couple friends have been telling me about that i want to check out and so cool. so yeah so there's some pretty cool stuff up on apple tv and you know i'm glad i got it for free for a year so you know it's it's worth it if you can get it for free you know <laughs> i'll watch anything you know well within reason so but it's awesome but thank you guys for listening thank you guys for joining us tonight uh we will be back again in next week actually and we are going to have darren joining us again next week and we are looking at torch what's torch songs trilogy yes it's going to be a lot no, of Torchwood fun. Trilogy. No, Torchwood Trilogy is a lot different. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I could actually see, you know, John Barrowman in Torch, you know, Torch Song Trilogy too. But is that so wrong? I don't think so. So it should be a lot of fun. So join us then, of course. Thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You could find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, and of course, Matthew Malice, thanks again for listening. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, peace, and we're out of here. Boom. And get vaccinated, folks, whatever you do. Booyah. Get poked. Booyah. Yeah. One booyah. You get one. You get one booyah. That's it. No more. <laughs> You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.